Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Imagine you stand outside a stadium and 10,000 people start walking out, and every one of them, to a person, is amazed and talking excitedly. You overhear one of them saying, where did he get all that food? Surely that would have taken a half a year's income to buy it all. I mean, surely this is the promised Messiah. Let's make him king. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to episode 1969 of our journey together through the Bible. Glad you've chosen not to be alone as together we seek to be transformed by reading through every word of God's revelation of himself, and we do it Monday through Saturday, even if, like I have been lately, doing it from my traveling microphone, which is not my favorite. But as we consider our own life and work stories in light of all of that, one that I think it's useful to remember is that One of the zillion reasons to trust God and trust your Bible in your daily life is that we have eyewitnesses. Think about it, 10,000 witnesses to an event, which is, as it turns out, the only miracle besides the resurrection that is recorded in all four Gospels. 10,000 witnesses would hold up in a court of law, right? John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near, so when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this, to test Philip, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, and the men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took, by the way, that was the men, right? Not including women and children. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This truly is the prophet who is to come into this world. Therefore, when Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And it's a pretty short New Testament segment, which is going to be because we've got a slightly longer psalm to get through, which will get to our theme for the day, a a key theme for today, which is, it is God who sustains us, and only grace will lead us to eternal glory. 
right? My friends, in Jesus, God sent a greater Moses to rescue his people. You might remember the the incident in the wilderness with Moses and the people complaining and not having bread and then manna fed them for years. So in this case, though, the people still thought Jesus would lead them against the Romans, but he had a lot bigger idea, (laughs) dare I say a God-sized idea, to rescue them from sin and death. And worldly kingship wasn't and still isn't the answer. Turning to our Old Testament segment, today and tomorrow we hear an important story that, in a way, foreshadows the Messiah. You might recall that um, the assassination of Ammon brought Josiah to the throne at the young age of eight years old, and that's where we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent the court secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, to the Lord's temple, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah, so that he may total up the silver brought into the Lord's temple, the silver the doorkeepers have collected from the people. It is to be given to those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple, and they in turn are to give it to the workmen in the Lord's temple to repair the damage. They are to give it to the carpenters, builders, and masons to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the temple. But no accounting is to be required from them for the silver given to them, since they work with integrity. I love that. But here's the king. No one he can trust the crew. No accounting is to be required from them for the silver given to them, since they work with integrity. The high priest Hilkiah told the court secretary, Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Then the court secretary, Shaphan, went to the king and reported, Your servants have emptied out the silver that was found in the temple and have given it to those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple. And then the court secretary told the king, The priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes Then he commanded the priest Hilkiah, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, the court secretary Shaphan, and the king's servant Isaiah, Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah about the words in the book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because of our ancestors, because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about us. So the priest Hilkiah, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asiah went to the prophetess Huldah, wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district, and they spoke with her. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Say to the man who sent you to me, This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the words of the book 
that the king Judah has read, because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods in order to anger me with all the work of their hands. My wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your ancestors, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place. Then they reported to the king. So the king sent messengers, and they gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. Then the king went to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the prophets, all the people from the youngest to the oldest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Next, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people agreed to the covenant. So then the king commanded the high priest Hilkiah and the priests of the second rank and the doorkeepers to bring out of the Lord's sanctuary all the articles made for Baal, Asherah, and all the stars in the sky. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he did away with the idolatrous priests the kings of Judah had appointed to burn incense at the high places in the cities of Judah and the surrounding areas of Jerusalem. They had burned incense to Baal, to the sun, moon, constellations, and all the stars of the sky. He brought out the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem. He burned it at the Kidron Valley, beat it to dust, and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. He also tore down the houses of the male cult prostitutes that were in the Lord's temple, in which the women were weaving tapestries for Asherah. Then Josiah brought all the priests from the cities of Judah, and he defiled the high places from Geba to Beersheba, where the priests had burned incense. He tore down the high places of the city gates at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, uh, on the left at the city gate. And the priests of the high places, however, did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem. Instead, they ate unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He defiled Topheth, which is in Ben-Hanam Valley, so that no one could sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire to Molech. He did away with the horses that the kings of Judah were, had dedicated to the sun. They had been at the entrance of the Lord's temple in the precincts of the chamber of Nathan-Melech, the eunuch. He also burned the chariots of the sun. The king tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had made on the roof of Ahaz's upper chamber. He also tore down the altars that Manasseh had made in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. Then he smashed them there and threw their dust into the Kidron Valley. The king also defiled the high places that were across from Jerusalem to the south of the Mouth of Destruction, 
uh, of the Mount of Destruction, <laughs> which Solomon of Israel had built for Ashtoreth, the abhorrent idols of the Sidonians, for Shamash, the abhorrent idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. He broke the sacred pillars into pieces, cut down the Asherah poles, then filled their places with human bones. He even tore down the altar at Bethel and the high place that had been made by Jeroboam son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin. He burned the high place, crushed to dust, and burned the Asherah. As Josiah turned, he saw the tombs there on the mountain. He sent someone to take the bones out of the tombs, and he burned them on the altar. He defiled it according to the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God, who proclaimed these things. And then he said, What is this monument I see? The men of the city told him, It is a tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things that you have done to the altar at Bethel. So he said, Let him rest. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Josiah also removed all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to anger the Lord. Josiah did the same things to them that he had done at Bethel. He slaughtered on the altars all the priests of those high places, and he burned human bones on the altars. Then he returned to Jerusalem. The king commanded all the people, Observe the Passover of the Lord your God as written in the book of the covenant. No such Passover, of course, had been observed from the time of the judges who judged Israel through the entire time of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, the Lord's Passover was observed in Jerusalem. I'm just going to pause right there, even though we're almost done. I'll just say this. That's a long time, right? We are in Kings 23, 2 Kings 23, right? And meaning we only got two chapters to go. It's been a long time learning about all of the kings of Judah and how they have failed to keep and be leaders with regard to the Lord's covenant. No such Passover had been observed from the time of the judges who judged Israel through the entire time of the kings of Israel and Judah. Continuing. But in addition... Josiah eradicated the mediums, the spiritists, household idols, images, and all the abhorrent things that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem. He did this in order to carry out the words of the law that were written in the book that the priest Hilkiah had found in the Lord's temple. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength according to the law of Moses, and no one like him arose after him. In spite of all that, the Lord did not turn from the fury of his intense burning anger which burned against Judah because of all the affronts with which Manasseh had angered him. For the Lord had said, I will also remove Judah from my presence just as I have removed Israel. I will reject this city Jerusalem that I have chosen and the temple about which I said, my name will be there. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. During his reign, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, marched up to help the king of Assyria at the Euphrates River. King Josiah went to confront him, and at Megiddo, when Necho saw him, he killed him. 
From Megiddo, his servants carried his dead body in a chariot, brought him into Jerusalem, and buried him in his own tomb. Then the common people took Jehoahaz, son of Josiah, appointed him, and made him king in place of his father. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatal, daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him at Riblah in the land of Hamath to keep him from reigning in Jerusalem, and he imposed on the land a fine of 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold. Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, son of Josiah, king in place of his father, uh, Josiah, and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but at Pharaoh's command he taxed the land to give it. He exacted the silver and the gold from the common people, each according to his assessment, to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebedah, daughter of Padiah. She was from Rumah. He did what was <clears throat> evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. And that is 2 Kings 23 and 24. So my friends, uh, by the way, it might appear in what we read that Josiah deliberately disobeyed God's will. But as we will see in the Chronicler's account, uh, I think tomorrow or the next day, this wasn't true. It doesn't mean that he uh, didn't pay a price for ignoring God. And of course, there's probably a lesson in that for us too. Now, fittingly, we close with a wisdom segment that's a wisdom song. One in which the psalmist Asaph wondered how the wicked could impudently flaunt God's ways and thrive. And he wondered if his own piety had been for nothing. If you've ever wondered why we bother trying to be <laughs> to follow God's God's ways and uh, wonder how the wicked do get by with what they get by with, well, maybe this song is for you. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped, my steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others, they are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock. They speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, yeah, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? <laughs> Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. 
When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream, Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was unthinking, an unthinking animal toward you. Yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart, my portion forever. For those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. And my friends, that is Psalm 73. My friends, pray this with me. Lord, we thank you that that you are the God who sustains. And, and, And Lord, like Asaph, it's not by our own will. But we remember, maybe yet again, that grace is what will lead us to glory. Thank you, Lord. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.